You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators, and this is The Food Code. Hello and happy Monday. Happy Monday, Food Code. We always start them the same way. It's like and he's like, welcome back. He's like, I got to stop saying that. But like, what else do you say? I don't know. I mean, like, I guess we could like go into talking right away, but yeah, I don't don't know. know. And today's going to be a good one. I like Q and A's. Like if you guys have questions, we're happy. Sometimes, honestly, sometimes the questions aren't large enough to like create an entire podcast around them. Um, and so we, we like the Q and A's it's, you know, you knock out a bunch of them in once and answer a lot of people's questions in one. So if you have questions, like definitely message Liz or I on Instagram, you could email us info at FitMom. We just changed our emails. That's it's okay. The links are going to be in the show notes and very, very exciting. So apologize that we didn't get this out sooner. Um, I was on vacation last week, but we did mention a few weeks ago, and I've gotten some messages from people very excited about the opportunity to apply for our case study. So what we're doing here is that you will fill out um, an application, pretty extensive, like health history, goals, things like that. Um, And then Becca and I are going to pick two people and we are going to do two different podcasts, breaking down exactly like what our protocols would be for that person. Um, so we are going to open up applications for that this entire week. Um, and yep. so you can find the link in the show notes below to fill that out. And if you have any questions about, you know, what this entails, you can always shoot us over an email as Becca mentioned info at fitmomlife.com or message one of us on Instagram. So we're really excited because I think, you know, a lot of people, they're curious to know what is it like to work with a nutrition health coach, Um, And for us, we are holistic health coaches. And so we look at the body much differently than just calories. A lot of people that you see out there are, let's say, glorified macro calculators. That's not what we want to be. We are here to help optimize your health, including your mental health. So go ahead and fill that out. And we will be accepting applications throughout this entire week and then be doing the podcast towards the end of April. And of course, if you are selected, we will email you and let you know what day that is going to air. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so let's dive in. We dive got in. some, we got some Q&A today. Um, so the first one that was a question is what do you say with like not tracking on the weekends with a client? Like if a client has forgotten to track on the weekend or if a client comes to us and is like, well, I just got really busy and I didn't track. What are we thinking? What do we say? What are we thinking? Um, well, I think be- what we say and what we think are totally different things. Yeah, we'll be honest. What we think and what we say are probably different. Um, what I'm thinking, to be honest, is like, you didn't forget to track. You chose not to track because you probably were consuming things or not consuming enough of things. And you didn't want that to be acknowledged. Um, And whether you realize that or not is also a question. Like, I think a lot of people hide behind a little bit. You know, I forgot to um, when they may not want to face what they're eating and like what it actually adds up to or what it entails. Um, Like I know for, I know damn well the days that I track 
are totally fine days. You know, I'm eating within foods that I know are going to make me feel good. I'm probably eating within my intake goals when I'm tracking my intake and such. And on the weekends when I don't track, it's probably because I didn't want to see how many calories I consumed. Yes. And I think there's two ends of the spectrum here because some people do get really busy throughout the weekend and they forget to eat. They find themselves like skipping meals. Um, I was actually just talking with our clients, uh, one of our clients earlier today. And she's like, I always notice that the weekends, like my digestion is just not really on point. And so we talked through like, what does your routine look like? We know weekends are much different compared to the weekday. So like in the, you know, during the week, maybe you get up, you have your coffee, you have some time to like sit and read, prepare for the day. And you get that normal bowel movement um, feeling and you go to the bathroom. Whereas on the weekends, if you are rushing out the door or you're just busy and constantly on the go, you're probably missing out on that opportunity and that time that you normally go because you're just in a different routine. Same thing happens with food. And so to Becca's point, like, yeah, they're either over consuming food or under consuming foods and skipping things. Um, and which, you know, there's also a difference between planning ahead for a planned deviation or a night out compared to just not eating all day and then face planning into the pizza and the ice cream and the cookies and whatever. And so, you know, I think it's important if you are concerned about your adherence and your consistency, even if you, let's say air quote here, forgot to track, go back and track. How many handfuls of those M&Ms did you have that were your kids sitting out from Easter, right? Um, how many slices of pizza or squares of pizza did you really have? And what does that look like for the day? I don't think there needs to be shame or guilt, but most of the time, and I will say this from personal you know, experience myself, if we're not tracking, it's because we're not being honest or we don't want to see, to Becca's point, what was consumed. However, from our perspective, we need to see that because what we need to do is help the client work through what that routine is like, work through some of those triggering foods, work to get them to a place where they can moderate the foods that they want to enjoy with their family and their friends on the weekend. And sometimes that takes us planning a little bit differently than throughout the week. So as much as I don't like, you know, backloading or like saving calories for a specific day, sometimes that's just the reality of the person's lifestyle. And so maybe that day needs to become more of a refeed day and we just plan for it. And we include that you're going to have 800 to a thousand calories more on that day and adjust the other days of the week. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people do it because especially when they're working, you know, with Liz and I or working with a coach in general, a lot of people do it because they're, they don't want to like feel bad about it. They don't want to be judged by it. They don't want to be told they can't do it. Um, you know, and, and that's not the case. Like, we're not going to be like, you can't eat any of those things. You're not allowed to do that. You have to eat chicken and broccoli on the weekends. Like, we are realistic. Liz and I are moms. Um, for perfect example, this morning, like my child after Easter, he was playing with his Easter candy, kept like bringing me chocolate eggs. And I was like, I don't want to eat these. Like I don't, <laughs> it's seven 30 in the morning. I don't want chocolate eggs and Reese's. Um, but I ate a chocolate egg cause he likes to do his cookie monster imitation and like gobble food down with me. Um, and so I, those are things that like are honest and real. And so when Liz and I know what those foods are, maybe what triggers are or what things we tend to overconsume, we can work with you on those things. I need to know, are you eating 5,000 calories on the weekend? Or is it just like maybe a little bit more than you're used to eating? And we need to just moderate. We need to know both of those things because then we can work with you in the best way possible to make this a lifestyle that's realistic for you versus like you feel like you have to hide things, um, which is never a, you know, a great place to be. I've been there and it sucks. So when we don't see a client tracking, um, we know that we can get busy. We also know that most of the time it's because we don't really want to face what it is. Um, so I think that leads perfectly into the next question of like, 
how do you start to get away from tracking? Yeah. How do you start to eat intuitively? Yeah. I think we've talked about this on other podcasts before, but it really depends upon your experience with tracking and how well you know food. So have you spent some time tracking to learn what is in food, right? To understand that chicken thighs are going to be a little bit higher in fat and more calorie dense than chicken breast or chicken tender. So I think before you get away from tracking, like you really need to build that dictionary of food in your mind and learn how to build meals in a way that serves you, leaves you feeling good, energized after you know your meal versus being tired and lethargic the rest of the day. So what we have, um, you know, kind of a rule of thumb in place for our clients when we work to start more intuitive eating is that we kind of just track four to five days a week. So one to two days of the week, we're not asking them to track. They could go back and spot track if they wanted just to kind of see where they landed as they were like eating, you know, more intuitively versus trying to hit specific intake levels. Um, but those two days cannot be Saturday and Sunday or Friday and Saturday, right? Like maybe one day during the week where it's like your normal workday routine and then one weekend day. Um, and then just really focus on being in tune with your body, listening to hunger cues, being mindful of the quality of food, because a lot of times people stop tracking and then all of a sudden more fun foods kind of creep their way back in and we get it. Like it happens to all of us at different times, right? Where we just realize like, oh man, I have had, you know, let's say a half a scoop of ice cream every night this week. You know, I don't even really need it, but it's just kind of like built in a routine. And some of these more fun foods have come back into play, or you start going out to eat a little bit more things like that when you're not paying such close attention. So that's kind of our rule of thumb is, you know, track three to four days of the week or four to five days of the week, and then take one to two days and either spot track or just don't track, but they can't both be weekend days. Yeah, absolutely. It needs to, it needs to be a gradual transition for most people. Um, and it needs to be when you're ready. Like I I think sometimes people get away from tracking when they're sick of it. And when you're sick of it, a lot of times that caters to that behavior of like, you know, rebellion, like I'm, I'm sick of tracking. I don't want to track. So I'm going to go off the rails and screw tracking and screw, I'm going to eat whatever I want. And that doesn't leave people feeling great either. And so we need to do it, you know, in a place where you're like, I feel like I'm ready to take a break from this. I feel like I'm ready to not do this right now. And I'm, I've gotten to a place where I'm good at listening to my body. I'm good at listening to my hunger cues. I've been nourishing my body. I haven't come from a place where I've been under consuming consistently. And so that's when we like to kind of implement the non-tracking is when someone's gotten to a place where like, they're pretty happy, comfortably, uh, pretty happy physically um, with where they're at. Like they're at a good place to kind of maybe take a diet break, which we're going to talk about next, or, you know, they're at a place physically where they're not feeling like they want more change. You know, they don't feel like they need to lose more weight or whatever it is. Um, And then you can get a no more intuitive eating approach that isn't as calculated as maybe a calorie deficit approach might need to be. So the next question, how do you know when you need to take a diet break? And maybe what is a diet break for some people that doesn't, that don't know what that is? Yeah. So let's dive into it. I think there's a couple of ways to know when you need to take a diet break. And we have two acronyms that we like. One is HEC, hunger, energy, and cravings. So like, are you hungry all the time or not hungry at all? Is your energy starting to tank? And are you craving a lot of things that might be a sign that you've been in a deficit for too long? The other one that we like to evaluate biofeedback is called shreds. So this is going to be your sleep, hunger, energy recovery. I'm saying these backwards, um, (laughs) digestion, but put them in the order and it comes to shreds. Um, and so again, here is where like, am I going to bed hungry? Am I waking up in the middle of the night hungry? Am I waking up in the morning hungry? All those signs 
are probably signs that you need to come out of this deficit that you're in. Again, if your digestion is taking a hit, maybe, you know, you're getting bloated or gassy or constipated and you're just not feeling like things are moving really well, probably need to focus on two things. One is maybe eating a little bit more, but the other piece is also looking at your food quality and evaluating, do I have enough fiber? Am I having enough, you know, vegetables and fruit, things like that. And then again, so recovery. So if you're going to the gym and you're training four to five days a week and you feel exhausted, you feel sore all the time and you're not gaining strength, you probably need to take a diet break, increase your calories a little bit, especially if strength is your goal and give your body the right nourishment to recover from your workout. As we always say, you're not fully benefiting from your workout until you recovery recover. So recovery is really, really important. Um, and then sleep and stress. If you're in a really high stress time, again, talking with one of our clients today, she's had a super, super stressful week. I'm like, okay, well, this is not the time then that we're going to start a cut. That was the plan. Originally I said, let's take another week here, you know, just at maintenance, focus on getting your sleep back into line, quality sleep, sleeping through the night, seven to eight hours in bed. And then next week, let's set yourself up to go into your cut, but you're going to need to take some time over the weekend to plan and prepare so you can do it successfully without becoming more stressed out right? It's because now you're stressed, but you've got a stress of the calorie deficit. So you've got to kind of pay attention to all of these different things. Um, and then just as far as like knowing what a diet break is, it's essentially not being in a calorie deficit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, and I think this is for, especially for people that just aren't at a place that they want to be yet and think that they need to diet until they get there. You know, someone that wants to lose 40 pounds, someone that wants to lose 50 pounds, heck a hundred pounds, like you cannot get there straight through. You need to take breaks. You need to go through phases where you are coming out of that calorie deficit and giving your body energy again, because there is adaptation that will start to happen. They've even like studies even show adaptation happens as fast as seven to 14 days into, into a calorie deficit and dieting. And so for those of us that can't remember the last time we took a break from diet, like an intentional break from dieting that is actually eating more, but not eating more of just pizza and wine and cupcakes and Oreos and like eating more of good, nutritious, whole foods. That is what a true diet break is. Like it is intentionally eating enough to support your body, not starving the body, even if you aren't where you want to be yet. And that's where we ding, 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 don't get the ups and downs of weight. When we come in and out of diets, we actually probably get for most people. Okay. Maybe you lose 10 pounds. Notice that you stopped, you stopped losing weight. Maybe you're starting to like plateau. Maybe you're starting to feel off. This is when you need a diet break. You take intake up gradually to a higher place. Maybe you gain a pound. Maybe, maybe you gain a pound of a little bit of water weight and then, you know, it levels out, but you don't feel any differently. You take, you take a diet break for who knows, two, four, six months, and then you try to go back into a calorie deficit. Now your body responds versus you lose 10 pounds. You go off the diet because it's not working and you're frustrated. You eat all the things you gain the 10 pounds back. The diet breaks are what help us reach our goals long-term without having these crazy up and down swings. So that is when. I think they're extremely important for people um, that are chronic dieters and are just, you know, running their body into the ground doing it. Yep. All right. Let's dive on to the next one. What are your favorite lifting shoes? So I got this message last week because I've been doing um, some powerlifting prep and uh, 
got some new shoes. So somebody was asking me like, what are those? And what are your favorites? So, um, I know Becca wears some similar to mine, but, um, I have a few different ones. I actually wear different shoes for different lifts. Um, haven't always done this, but I personally, I like a flat sole. So one of my favorites, just like in training in general, whether I was doing strength or conditioning, I like the Metcons, the Nike Metcons. Those are kind of my like all-star shoe, I guess. Um, and then recently I just got a pair of lifters that my sister actually sent me. Um, and those are innovate. I'm kind of torn. I'll be honest. I don't know that I love them on squats. Mm-hmm. Um, I like them on bench press for sure. Cause I just feel more stable, but I'm working on them with my squats. I'm just not sold that. I think I need them for squatting. Yeah. Well, you're mobile. Um, when I used to train a lot and Olympic lift a lot, I was doing Nike Romaleos, um, which are similar to the innovate lifters that Liz had, um, but they're, I would say they're a little bit wider. Um, they're a little bit heavier in nature. The innovates are meant to be light, uh, because I believe they were designed with CrossFitters in mind, um, because a lot of CrossFitters would wear weightlifting shoes in a workout paired with things like rowing, box jumps, stuff like that. And so those are hard to do in Olympic lifting shoes. I don't recommend doing this. If you're going to be in a CrossFit workout, don't wear lifters. Like lifters are for lifting. Um, they tried to kind of cross that border, I think. And I used to have the innovates as well. They weren't my favorite. I did the Romaleos when I was like strictly Olympic lifting. Um, I like Metcons. I'm a Nike girl. I've always liked Nike. I do also like the Reebok Nanos. Um, they're pretty comfortable, especially the later versions. Um, I like those a lot for just like all around lifting, deadlifts, CrossFit style workouts, running, stuff like that. Um, so if you're running long distances, I know we're talking lifting shoes here, but if you're running long distances, you need to get a pair of lift, uh, running shoes like fitted for you so that you're not ending up with overuse injuries. Um, but yeah, I usually use, if I'm lifting, like lifting, lifting, big, uh, big style, I'm doing Romaleos, Nike Romaleos. And if I'm doing normal, just like general conditioning or strength training, I'm wearing either the uh, Reebok Nanos or the Nike Metcons, just because they're flatter. They allow for more of like a, you know, true grip. Um, All right. Mobility apps. So we have a lot of clients that we've been recommending this to, and a lot of people out there probably know it. Um, Stretching and mobility is important, uh, especially as we age. I feel like I used to, when I was like 22 years old, I totally used to be that walk into the gym, touch my toes 10 times, swing my arms over my head a couple of times. And like, I could go lift 90%. Like I was basically PRing. Um, now to be able to like move into full range of motion, I have to take at least like 10 to 15 minutes stretching before I work out. It's just, it is necessary. And then after workouts, so I don't end up, you know, super tight sitting in a chair all day, um, on zoom meetings, I usually have to stretch after my workouts as well. Yeah. It's just smart to do, to be honest, especially if you are pushing yourself, like you need that recovery. So we like Romwad, um, R-O-M-W-A-D stands for range of motion workout of the day. Um, I like their stuff. I will say, I also really like the, um, oh my gosh, I'm losing it. The biking app, the Peloton, the Peloton. Um, yes. I was like, I'm like envisioning my concept. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I can't help you here. <laughs> I'm looking out at my concept too, by trying to think of the yeah, Peloton. So the Peloton uh, mobility app uh, or mobility on the Peloton app is also really good. So, you know, I think on it is another uh, really, really great mobility program. If you just look up their YouTube channel, 
Um, they've got a lot of really good things on there as well. So, all right, let's dive into another one. And this is very, very common. We see this and hear this all the time. So if I overeat one day, should I underconsume the next day? No, not necessarily. Um, here's what I usually tell people is if you're trying to underconsume to like counterbalance or, you know, punish yourself in a way of overconsuming the day before, don't do it for that sense. If you truly aren't hungry, like here's to be honest, if you overconsume, you ate more calories than your body needed. So it's very natural and normal for you to not be as hungry the next day. And if that is the case, Liz and I are not going to tell our clients to like push food just to get calories in because our body guys does not work on a day to like day-to-day sense. It works on averages across weeks, across months. And that's why consistency is so important. And so if you overate by 500, 700, 800, a thousand calories, okay, fine. Like I'm sure that will balance out as long as you're not consistently doing that over and over again. And so if you did overconsume though, Liz and I tend to recommend just picking foods that are a little bit less inflammatory in nature, which we're going to touch on really briefly at the end here um, with another question. But like, we usually talk about, you know, we like the whole 30 at in an aspect, like in a certain aspect of it, kind of in its own tunnel. Um, this is when I usually, if I overconsume and I feel bloated, I feel just like, kind of just like stuffed the next day still, I just drink more water and I eat foods that are not processed. And I eat foods that are like more whole unnatural, or I'm sorry, whole natural unprocessed foods, because I know that my body tends to function really well off of those. So that's what I usually do um, with, you know, if I've overconsumed and I'm feeling a little fluffy and like bloated. hundred percent. Just think about not having labels, right? Like the ingredient of the food is the ingredient. It's a one ingredient food. So, um, hundred percent. And then the only other thing that I personally do, and I know Becca does this too, is I just go for a little bit longer walk the next day. Like I just move a little bit more, um, that can help with digestion, but also just kind of that feeling like you, um, over consumed. And, you know, I would rather someone go and walk in another, let's say three to 5,000 steps, than go to the gym and try to do a two hour cardio workout to burn off the calories that they consumed. So, um, 100%. I think this is very dependent person to person. And the other piece that we look at is like, was it a planned refeed day? Or like, why did we overconsume? Because the other, you know, thing we always have to consider is the relationship with food. And if we're constantly swinging around, you know, Friday and Saturday, 3000 calories, and then we're trying to under consume Sunday through Thursday at like 1200 calories, like your body's not going to respond well to that. It might for a short period of time, but if that's, you know, going to, do more harm than good in the long term because it is all about consistency. So don't think about it in the form of a day, a week. Think of it in more like weeks or months mm-hmm. and what your consistency like throughout the month. So okay, the next one, and this is you know kind of perfect for what we were just touching on is um, you know, should I go gluten-free or dairy-free? Um, and I've had a lot of people reach out to me lately asking like, what are some of my favorite products just from things that I post on Instagram? Cause I am doing no gluten, no dairy because of my Hashimoto's, um, something that I'm very transparent about, you know, gluten kind of snuck its way back in because I love Dave's killer bread <laughs> and my sprouted green English muffins, but just for having, you know, a thyroid condition, gluten needs to remain out. So, you know, the, the question or the answer to the question is, should I remove gluten and dairy? The answer is it depends. Like what would be the purpose as a, let's say like air quote here, like a diet protocol, 
no, I don't think that everybody needs to remove gluten and dairy. It's not going to be like a magical solution. However, some people are intolerant to them and sensitive to them. And so you could be carrying around a couple of pounds of inflammation because you don't recognize that these foods aren't being, you know, tolerated well by your body. So it's, it's very dependent person to person, everybody with a thyroid condition. I do think you need to at least eliminate gluten, if not both. Yeah. I, so I don't have thyroid condition. I, I, I've battled gut issues in the past, but I've managed them to where I don't deal with them consistently. Um, and I would say that I, I naturally eat mostly gluten-free, but I eat bread and I eat some other bread products, um, that aren't gluten-free because I tolerate them fine. And I don't notice a massive impact in terms of like joint pain, inflammation, stuff like that. When I consume them, um, dairy, I'm a little bit more sensitive to, I can handle small amounts of cheese. I can handle some yogurts. Um, aside from that, I don't handle a lot of dairy very well. Um, and so how have I found that out through experimentation? And so that is what Liz and I always recommend, unless we see someone coming to us with like extreme levels of inflammation, extreme gut issues to where they're responding to a lot of these foods. We don't like removing food from people. Like we, I don't like taking away food groups from clients and we only do it when we feel it's necessary temporarily for most of them to allow for a condition to calm down and for the body to kind of quote unquote, heal itself. Um, if they have maybe a gut dysfunction going on or something like that, if you have an autoimmune condition, there's a lot of research that backs gluten should be kept out gluten and how it has been manufactured and like manipulated in today's food products is just not great for the body and for the body's inflammation levels. And so unfortunately with an autoimmune condition, because any type of even without an autoimmune condition, food is a foreign object to your body. Like your body attacks food when it enters the system. And so when you have something like gluten and Liz and I are going to do a much longer podcast on this gluten-free and dairy-free. So I'm not going to dive into this too much, but when you do have gluten, gluten is a kind of next level toxic to the body compared to normal food. And so it has a different type of profile that impacts the body at a higher level and more intense level. And so it does more damage, essentially the proteins that are contained within gluten impact the body more negatively than other foods. And so that is why we try to keep these foods out for people that have known autoimmune conditions or gut dysfunction, because it's simply, there's, there's not a benefit. Like there's, there's really only downsides to them. And there's so many foods that are gluten-free now. And like the world has made it easy to be gluten-free. Um, I'm not saying that gluten-free products are healthier than gluten contain like gluten-free pasta isn't, you know, going to make you lose weight faster than gluten containing pasta. This isn't, this isn't a weight loss discussion. This is much more around like, how is it impacting the body and other functions within the body that are potentially impacting inflammation levels, digestion long-term. So we're going to dive deeper into this, but we try to keep food as broad as possible for our clients because you don't want to be living off of a small foods list. That is not healthy. It's not good. Um, and we don't like to take foods away. You want to be able to tolerate most foods. That's a sign of a healthy body. Yep. Yeah. And I think just from the gluten perspective too, it's important to know that even if you are going gluten-free, like that gluten-free muffin is still a muffin. Like it's not healthier. Um, it just simply doesn't contain gluten. However, sometimes you're going to see gluten-free products are going to be higher in fat because they're using more butter or things to bind 
um, and hold it together. So that's just another thing is like, people think that they're going to magically like drop all this weight because they went gluten-free. Um, that's not really the case. So again, one ingredient, whole foods, there's a couple of products that I like that I'm going to quickly just run down the list. Um, Banza chickpea pasta. I use that as my primary, um, pasta source. It is a, um, very nutrient dense pasta. So it's going to be higher in fiber, higher in protein. Um, I will use gluten-free bread or wraps from Aldi. I like their live G free brand. And then Costco also has a really good, um, gluten-free bread that is in the bread section. It is not frozen. So it's vacuum sealed packages. I like those. Um, and then as far as like sauces and seasonings, what I figured I'm going to do is just link out in the show notes, um, a, a really good list of different seasonings and spices that are going to be uh, gluten-free because there's a laundry list of them, but that's typically where some gluten is hidden, um, is in sauces, spices, marinades, stuff like that. So I like Primal Kitchen. We like G Hughes, Sky Valley. All three of those are really great products, whole 30 gluten-free, most of them dairy-free. Um, outside of that sweet potatoes, like you guys know, back and I love sweet potato fries, rice cakes, stuff like that. Um, and then from the dairy front. So I would say like, alternatives. If you have to be, you know, dairy free, um, for yogurt, I really like the Siggy's coconut milk yogurt, or I just tried this past week, the Yoplait it's called, um, O-U-I, Owie, I think, uh, you just need to watch out for the sugar content. So I try not to get sugar more than like 12 or 13. Um, and ideally it's not added sugar, it's just natural sugar. Uh, and then I will use coconut cream in place of heavy cream and coconut creamer from Trader Joe's or oat milk creamer. Um, but hands down, my favorite non-dairy milk is the unsweetened macadamia nut milk. So, yeah, I don't do a whole ton of gluten-free, um, I just, I've ne it's never been something that I've really dove into. So I know Liz is pretty, she lives and dies by it because, she, you know, she has a condition that is affected by it. Um, I don't eat a ton of gluten. I have like a piece of bread some days. I have an English muffin some days. Um, but for the most part, when you eat whole unprocessed foods, you're eating gluten-free. It's yeah. pretty much like when you're eating fruits, vegetables, lean proteins, nuts, seeds, healthy fats, all that stuff, potatoes, like you're eating gluten-free. So I don't consider myself gluten-free, but I just kind of naturally fall into that. Um, but yeah, there's a ton of products out there that are great. So at the end of the day, you got to experiment with your own body. Like I always tell people experiment, take 14 days, 14, 21 days, remove gluten, see if you feel any better. Like see if maybe it isn't just the gluten, but maybe like the types of foods you're eating, you know, the processed foods, um, same thing with dairy, uh, and then reintroduce slowly and see, you know, what gluten containing products seem to bother you the most, what symptoms seem to come back. So always experiment with your body, never just take random advice from people. Um, you have to know what's right for your body because everyone's body is different. Everyone's body needs different things. So hopefully this was helpful guys. Again, if you have questions that you would love us to answer in this fashion on the podcast, if you liked this kind of podcast, um, where it was kind of like a rapid fire, lots of information, um, please let us know. We love to do things that you guys like to hear. So hope you have an amazing Monday. It's going to be an awesome week. I always say it's a great day to have a great day, right? Hey. Happy Monday. <laughs> Monday. Have a good day. Thank you all so much for being here. If you've enjoyed this podcast, the best thing that you could do for us as a gift to us would be to take a screenshot and share it on Instagram, tag us, share it on Facebook, whatever platform that you listen, or just tell a friend, invite a friend to listen to this podcast. Um, the more that you can kind of share with word of mouth, the more people that we can touch throughout the world. And leave us a five-star reading and review on iTunes as this helps us grow and reach others. So if you have any questions, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email and we will talk to you soon. Have a great day.